Welcome to The Dyad Presents, a video game music podcast. I'm The Dyad, and we're back. This is Illusion Blaze. to be back. 8-Bit Beach is nice, but I think I got a sunburn. And the NES palette only has so many colors, so I am red. All those potions started giving me an upset stomach, too. No, I think I was ready to come back. I'm sorry if I blasted you to bits with that intro track. Sometimes you need to kick off the show with a shot to the heart, and I think Illusion Blaze gets that done in spades. It has some kind of interesting instrument choices, too, uh, possibly because of its appearance on the PC. I sort of expected some nasty sawing guitar to take over at any moment, but maybe that's just because it sounds a little bit like a Genesis to me. Anyway, before I get too deep into the game stuff, I have one quick top-of-the-show item. The show has a new iTunes review, so I want to say special thanks to Gerund08 for the kind words. I had set up alerts to make sure I didn't miss any of these, or so I thought. For some reason, I didn't get a notification for this one, so sorry it's a bit tardy, but it's much appreciated. Oh, actually, I do have one other thing I wanted to talk about, but it's brief. If you listen carefully, what you should not be hearing any longer is... Me banging on the mic. The downside to my new and I think higher quality mic is that it didn't have a stand. Well, now I do. And also a real crappy windscreen. It probably won't be too noticeable, but I'll uh, start letting some peas pop and we'll see if it smooths anything out. As for the game, this track is the opening theme. It was composed by Sung Hwan Ro and Yong Jin An, who are also known as DAC. Illusion Blaze is an IBM PC game developed by one of, if not the first Korean game company to appear on the show. I think in general, they're more rare and possibly additionally so in the era I tend to focus on. 
The developer in question is called Family Production, and the game was published by SKC. Family Production started as a guerrilla group of programmers and designers without an office of their own until 1994, roughly two years after their formation. They were one of the first Korean developers to ship their games overseas, starting with Taiwan, but eventually expanding to Europe and the US. Illusion Blaze was one of the first titles released by the company. Maybe because they hadn't yet found their own voice, Illusion Blaze is criticized for heavily borrowing or outright stealing from other games, most notably Thunder Force 4 and R-Type. But despite the inauspicious foundation, the game is considered a quite passable shoot-em-up, noted especially for being technically sound. I mean this in the least way possible, but I suppose when you don't need to devote as much energy to generating your own ideas, you can focus a little bit more on the execution. Let's move on to the Famicom Disk System. We haven't heard anything from the FDS since... maybe episode 2, actually. Hmm. I need to fix that. I feel like I can hear the people who hate the console focus episodes sucking in breath, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. And I don't really know if there's people out there who hate the console focus episodes in particular. No one said anything to me, and that could be because I'm such a sweetheart they just feel bad saying it to my face. That's probably it. In any event, don't worry, today I only have one selection, and it comes from the game Famicom Grand Prix 2 3D Hot Rally. Composed by Hideki Kanazashi and Soyo Oka, this track is called Wind Commander.
Believe it or not, I have a lot to say about this game. Well, not the game exactly, but like stuff kind of related to the game. You know how I do. The Famicom Grand Prix 2 3D Hot Rally is a racing game released in Japan for the Famicom Disk System in 1988. It is, unsurprisingly, the sequel to Famicom Grand Prix 1. The game plays like Rad Racer, with the player viewing the action from behind the car in a quasi-first-person perspective. Developed by Nintendo's EAD and HAL Laboratory, and published by Nintendo, Mario and Luigi are playable characters in the game. They can ride in one of three cars, Katobi, Yonke, and Monster. Monster appears in a few later games too. He lives on as a trophy in Super Smash Bros. Melee, but even stranger, he had a cameo in Super Mario Bros. and Friends When I Grow Up, a bizarre DOS game released in 1991. It's essentially what is called an electric crayon game or a digital coloring book. The game has illustrations of Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Toad, and Bowser in mundane careers. It also features Link as a chef slash waiter and a travel guide. Seriously. I'm kind of dying to see if the game has any music, but I haven't had time to plumb the depths just yet. And I'll definitely post a picture of Travel Guide Link on the blog post with the episode. Also of note, this game marks the first time Luigi appeared taller and thinner than Mario on a game's box art. Oh, and it makes use of the Famicom 3D goggles peripheral. Yeah, that was the thing. Called the Famicom 3D System, it was an accessory designed to give the player a three-dimensional experience during gameplay for specially programmed cartridges. For example, in games like Highway Star, known elsewhere as Rad Racer, and the game inspired by Rad Racer, Famicom Grand Prix 2. The goggles look sort of like an early 90s depiction of a VR headset, or maybe like sunglasses Daft Punk would wear. Despite their stylistic appearance though, they weren't very popular in Japan. Many gamers claimed motion sickness when using them, and as a result, it was never released for the NES in the United States. Instead, Nintendo settled on cheap paper 3D glasses for American gamers. The 3D goggles used the so-called shutter glass 3D method with LCDs in the left and right lenses of the goggles. Quoting from Famicom World, then, a specially programmed video game image on the TV screen alternates rapidly. While the gamer is looking through the goggles, the LCD displays are synchronized to block the unwanted image and display the desired image. Each eye will see its proper perspective or field of the display. In other words, the left eye sees the left eye view and the right eye only sees the right eye view. The game images or fields are refreshed at such a rate that there's no flicker and it creates a truly 3D experience. This is compared to the Anoglyph method, the popular paper red and blue lenses of weakened creature features. The goggles are now described as a must-have for Famicom collectors, but despite that classification, they can be found for around $30 to $50. My cursory eBay search found them to be a bit more pricey, but I was seeing allegedly new-in-box units for only $90. I really want to try one of these in real life now. Also, this is kind of giving me flashbacks to the Virtual Boy episode. 
I wonder if the development for the two had any overlap or if anyone worked on both of them. It just, they seem similar enough that they should borrow from one another or something. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Anyway, I've gone a bit long on the other info, so without getting into too many details, the FDS itself basically adds an extra sound channel to the standard NES capabilities. Veteran NES fans may be able to pick out the increased fidelity in this track. For the time, this was a pretty sophisticated soundtrack. While three people worked on the game's soundtrack, Hideki Kanazashi, Soyo Oka, and Hiroaki Suga, Soyo Oka is only attributed to one song called Monster Dance, and Hiroaki only did the sound programming. Hideki Kanazashi is attributed with composing the rest of the songs. The game's music even had an official soundtrack CD simply titled 3D Hot Rally. And lastly, the opening song was also used as an in-game song for Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I can tell you when I first started researching this game, I didn't expect to have that much stuff to say, so let's move on. Returning again to my beloved PC-98, and for listeners of the VGM Jukebox, my Scholastic Major, an adult visual novel soundtrack. Composed by Yoshihito Hata from the game Akiko Gold, this track is called Meeting Akiko.
Also known as the Queen of Adult, the game was released in 1994 for the FM Towns and the PC-98. Developed by Red Zone, the game was published by the familiar company Fairy Tale. According to the Visual Novel Database, the game focuses on a high school that has attracted the attention of the authorities. Girls are disappearing, and there are rumors of a strange cult-like activity going on in the school. The Secret Service sends a female agent codenamed Akiko to the high school to investigate. Posing as an English teacher, Akiko must unravel the mystery of the high school. The game plays as a simple Japanese-style text adventure game. Every screen has a menu of possible verb commands, and the player has to navigate through the choices to progress through the game. There's also an Australian racing horse called Akiko Gold. Fold in 2012, the horse has earned total prize money of $82,330 to date. No word on if the horse and the game are related, but believe me, I looked. There's also a Dutch jeweler who has a set of minimalist earrings called Akiko Gold. They're pretty cool, they're real geometric and interesting. Um, if I was a fancy lady, I might wear them. I don't think they would go well with my beard. Yeah, so here's the thing. There usually isn't a whole lot to say about these games. The whole genre is basically just a repository of sweet music buried and abandoned. It's sad because a lot of the composers even use aliases, and I'm guessing that's because they were embarrassed of the types of games they were working on. But now, it's just a pile of sound files in a folder, so they can be celebrated without any stigma. That's right, Yoshihiro Hata, I'm talking to you. I'm proud of you, bud. You did great work on this track. Moving on, we're going to head to the Genesis. From the game Twinkle Tale, composed by Hiroshi Nishikawa, this is the Stage 7 music.
Tail is a top-down shooter released exclusively in Japan for the Sega Mega Drive. Developed by the obscure Wonder Amusement Studio, the game was published by Toyo Recording Company and released in 1992. Twinkle Tail is frequently compared to the game Mercs, but with a distinctly different style. Instead of firing a hail of bullets from an increasing arsenal of guns, Twinkle Tail instead features a magic-wielding witch named Saria as its protagonist. The player is able to cycle through three magic weapons, each with different strengths and weaknesses. I guess maybe it's even more accurate to say that the player basically uses three spells. Basically, the difference is you're able to trade off some accuracy for a little bit more potency. The shooting star is a beam that fires directly forward and does the most damage. The diamond arrow is a standard spread shot with a little less punch, and the silver comet is a homing attack, but with a fairly modest damage output. While I've never played the game, the art style is pretty cool looking, and there's quite a few songs in the soundtrack that I like as well. Uh, it was never released in America, but for those curious, you can check out the English fans translation by the MIJET group, which was released in 2007. Next, I'll be moving to the PlayStation. From the game Tobal Number no. 1, composed by, at least this track was composed by, Masashi Hamauzu, this track is called Shinto Shrine.
The soundtrack for Tobal Number no. 1 is a truly collaborative effort. It features music from eight different composers, many of which are pretty notable. The game saw tracks composed by Yashiro Kawakami, Ryuji Sasai, Yasunori Mitsuda, Junya Nakano, Masashi Hamauzu, Kenji Ito, Noriko Matsueda, and Yoko Shimomura. The soundtrack is what I would call a mixture of a bunch of different genres. Uh, there's hip-hop, ambient, jazz, 80s groove, and a bunch of other things all mixed together. As I mentioned, this particular track was composed by Masashi Hamauzu. He's probably best known for his work on the Final Fantasy and Saga series, and he worked at Square Enix from 1996 all the way up until 2010. After Nobuo Uematsu left Square Enix in 2004, Hamauzu took over as the lead composer for the company's music team. He was, in fact, the sole composer of Final Fantasy XIII. As for the current track, Tobal came out in 1996. It was Hamauzu's second credited game, and in fact, he was still labeled a trainee during his work on the soundtrack. For those familiar with his broader oeuvre, I think it's fair to say that he focuses mainly on classical and ambient pieces. So for that reason alone, I think it's interesting to hear something a little different from him. And I also always like exploring the first few games attributed to a prolific composer. I think it's fascinating to hear them develop and evolve as they get more experience. In addition to video game scores, Hamauzu has also been tapped to work on a few things like anime TV show Classicaloid and the animated short film Typhoon Noruda. As for the game itself, Tobal No. 1 is a fighting game developed by Dream Factory and published by Square in 1996. It's notable for a few things, namely the game was Dream Factory's first release and Square's first release from the PlayStation. It was also Square's first attempt at a fighting game. Other than that, it was pretty much ignored in North America. Next from the NES, the track comes from YY World 2 SOS Pasari Joel. The sound design credits list only aliases, Yuichi Milkshop Sakagon, or Yuichi Sakakura, Gentleman Kenchan Matsubara, or Kenichi Matsubara, and Minami Whip Whip Pudding Satoko, or Satoko Minami. This is the Twin B stage theme.
YY World 2 is a 1991 platform game released exclusively in Japan for the Nintendo Famicom. It was developed and published by Konami, and it's the sequel to the original YY World. YY being the Japanese expression for kind of like a crowded, noisy area. The game can best be described as a crossover, and it features a stable of Konami characters rubbing elbows. For example, the sequel showcases Goemon, Simon Belmont, Getsu Fuma from the Japan-only game Getsu Fuma Den, Bill Riser from Contra, Vic Viper from Gradius, and Twinbee, among others. The track I played is the YY World version of the Twinbee stage theme from the original Twinbee game. In fact, the majority of the music from the YY World games are borrowed from whichever game the character originally appeared. The first YY World has only two original tracks, I think, and, but in some cases the songs are slightly changed, as is the case here. At least I'm fairly certain there are slight differences. I think the drums in particular had a uh, reworking. There was also an official CD release for the game's soundtrack. YY World 1 and 2 Sound Collection was released on May 19, 2014 in Japan and was published by Egg Music Records and D4 Enterprise. Egg Music Records, I'm pretty sure, is the company that releases a bunch of crazy Japanese game soundtracks, so big ups to Egg, I guess. Anyway, I'd like to keep going a bit more today, but with my vacation, I didn't have access to my computer, so I wasn't really able to work on this show. And if I don't cut this sucker off, I'm definitely not going to get it out by Wednesday. And on top of that, uh, midway through recording, my computer did a reboot to install updates without my permission. Uh, didn't notice that it was waiting to do them, and off it went. So I lost half the show and had to do a second take. Um, that's pretty frustrating. So, uh, yeah, we'll deal with it. I think the show's probably going to be pretty standard length anyway. I'm rambling. Let's move on. Closing out the show today is a recommendation of sorts. One of my good friends and true OG listeners, David, texted me something to the extent of, did you know there's an Amiga Captain Planet game? And I sure didn't, but of course I had to go check out the soundtrack, and oh man, I'm so glad I did. Uh, the songs are all super long, but they're pretty much by and large great. Um, I think there's only maybe like five, six, seven tracks too. Anyway, before I go, as always, special thanks to Alan Euler, aka Periodical, for mixing and editing the show. You can follow the show at thediadpresents.blogspot.com, where I also post a track list for the show. I realized after the vacation episode that I hadn't specifically been mentioning that I do that. So, in case you were wondering, you can always find the track listing there. You can subscribe via your favorite podcatcher, and don't forget to rate the show on iTunes if you so choose. Special thanks again to Jaren08. You can follow me on Twitter at The Dyad, and you can email me at thediadpresents at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page and group that you can find by searching for the name of the show or by at The Dyad. And yeah, I think that's it. Until next time, from the game Captain Planet and the Planeteers, from the Commodore Amiga, composed by Anthony Crowther. This is the title theme. (laughs) ¶¶